Yo, what is happening? Double Drop back here, finally after a little bit of a hiatus from podcasting stuff, just unfortunately life gets in the way, but uh, the best way to celebrate coming back is to come back with probably one of the biggest guests that I am ever going to get on the show. This was a huge moment for me as from a kid, like once I've listened to this guy since I was about 13, if not younger. So as you can tell by the artwork, my guest this month is Scott Brown. So before we get into it, I just want to let you know that the podcast inadvertently started before we actually started recording. So we're doing sound check, chatting away. So at the start, if my voice is a little bit quiet, then that's the only reason why. But check it out. Hope you guys like it. And yeah, this was, like I say, one of my favorites. So without further ado, Scott Brown. Hello. Where did you get? Where did you steal these from? I got mine from um, the Hilton in Manchester. <laughs> so it's, it's, I was staying there and I was like, "Ooh, there's a." Wow, I'm taking a souvenir. Yeah. That was the only button in a few places that I'd ever seen Corona and Draft. I was like, yep, they're coming back to the hotel with me. It's a good pint as well. Yeah, it's a nice pint, but you do, they've changed now since COVID. They've, uh, I don't know, they've got some craft beers in it, crappy stuff, you know. I don't so, like pints, I like bottles of beer for some reason. Well, so do I in general, but because I couldn't get a pint, the, the, when we could get a pint it was like yes <laughs> I took a picture and put it on Instagram and it went mental want something that you start to want it yeah it's the same when, when we were trying to isolate it was like what go out <laughs> you know and everyone's going walking and I didn't want to go I, I cycle a lot of, well I did at the time but you see that on your Snapchat quite a lot yeah I stopped just because I didn't because of all the stuff that was going on in hospitals I just didn't want to be that guy going in with broken collarbone or something because you know I know so many cyclists and you have you had a rogue sort of uh, route or something when you're going through the forest and then next thing you're having to get tests and all the the stuff that was on the news I was like I'll do it like everyone else and go go for a wee wander but there was no pub at the end of it, you know, there was no sort of, that, that's kind of the reward. Even when I cycled, I used to go and stop somewhere and just get a beer and then yeah. cycle home half steaming, you know. It's just <laughs> not the same coming home to a beer out of the fridge as it is to get them on board for you as well. That's it, uh, yeah, exactly, you know. You get a cheeky beer, it's, uh, it makes it all that bit better. Yeah, <laughs> but with we've uh, inadvertently started the podcast without introducing yes, the podcast. Yes, yes. So, so for people listening, obviously this is chatting shit with Double Drop or the Hardcore Takeover, whatever you want to call it. As you can tell, guess just now, like it's I'll be honest, Scott, like sitting in the car on the way here, it's quite a humbling moment. Is it? Okay. Here. But no, like, it's nice to be here, you know. Um it's uh it's it's been years since I've been anywhere. I mean <laughs> let's face it, but it's just um, nice to get out of the house. It's not, yeah, and it's it's good to be back now, but Dean I can't six years or something I think, I think since the last time year. we had you here was Fusion I yeah think. yeah that sounds about right yeah that was the tunnels where we had all the yes then the fire alarms yeah. were a few times then it ended up getting called off that's yeah. right was good. What, it was a good night up that, until we all, we all had to go out and then go back in and then 
we went out and then they were like, yeah, enough's enough. I'm like, really? Okay. It honestly was a mental night. Like, I, honestly, I still stick to this day one of the one of the best nights that I think I've ever been seen in a long time. Yeah. So shout out to Martin, Forbes, Seed, all you guys for putting that on. So that was a great that night. Was, that was a good night, yeah. But, but yeah, so back up to Aberdeen now for the return of Some Like It Hard. Yeah. We're at a Cotton Club tonight, but before we get on to tonight, last night, we're currently recording this and it's the 2nd of July. It is, yes. Last night, 1st of July. <laughs> big, big night for you. Your first open or close set. Yeah. How, Dust how is that? You've, I'll, I'll be honest, Scott's tried speaking to me about this like the whole way here and I'm like, mate, just, <laughs> we'll, just we'll speak about on the podcast. So yeah, I want to get all the all the good news from last night. The ghost. How, how did it go? So yeah, it was, it was excellent. I mean, um, we had the idea, uh, there's been obviously a lot of open to close kind of things and I didn't want to use that same name. Um, Sorry, Dusk Till Dawn. Dusk Till Dawn, yeah, and I didn't want to use the same name. Listen, there's, as far as I know, there's no trademark on the name, but I didn't want to get it confused with with other promoters. And, um, yeah, we, we ran with that, and uh, they were like, do you want to do it? Now, I was already booked for this, and um, I live in England, so it was like flight from Manchester up to Aberdeen and, and back, and on the Saturday, this is a Saturday, and... We went through a couple of dates and they were like, eh, and then they eventually settled on the first last night, Friday. And I'm like, can I do it? Because it was like, uh, we were doing, it was opening at 10 and it was on to three. And um, I was like, you know, stuff it, we'll do it. So um, yeah, it was great. The, so the Classic Grand's got two rooms. One of them's more of a big sort of uh, square. Um, like a big dance hall. Um, the other room, it's got a smaller dance floor and it's got a sort of bar area, but it's got a really low roof. There's a really nice old school vibe about it. And um, I planned it out that I was going to do like early 90s, late 90s. Every hour was planned out. We didn't know exactly what we were going to play. We just knew what we were going to play from that sort of time. So yeah, early 90s, late 90s, sort of bonkers and the uh, late millennium. Uh, 2000s, whatever, noughties, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And then the last hour, we were like, we'll just play whatever happens. And then, do you know what was nice? When I noticed it right away, it was, it was a different audience. We didn't have a lot of kids in. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It was just people were, you know, people from the 90s. with all ages in, but there was, it was a very nice crowd we in. And we didn't have a lot of people standing there with phones filming, which kind of drives me nuts. Oh, listen, listen, it happens. People want to film stuff on Snapchat or Instagram yeah. or whatever the stories. I get it, but um, you know, when everyone's just standing there with phones filming, it's a bit. Come on, just get into it. But I noticed that when I was looking up, there might have been one or two phones, but actually, people were just going nuts, absolutely nuts. And like it was just a from wet box, start to finish. Start to finish. It was absolutely non-stop. Brilliant. I was drenched, absolutely drenched. <laughs> so like when it finished. I knew I knew I had to drive back to Manchester to fly here because everyone's like, why don't you just drive up? And I'm like, because I don't want the nine-hour drive on Sunday when I'm feeling a bit ropey, you know? And yeah. I just want to get home. And at the moment, my mum's got COVID, so I could have stopped there on the way back. That was kind of one of the ideas. Um, but that's, uh, yeah, I couldn't do that, you know? I didn't, 
I don't want to catch COVID and pass it on. I don't mind catching it myself, but I, I just pass just passing it on. Passing it on to other people, it's I've had it before, it's not, not pleasant, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. So, no, it was a great night, um, and I'm absolutely knackered, to be honest. And if, if my voice is a bit croaky, it's purely because I've been sort of shouting over music for the whole... I'm never in clubs the whole night, I'm normally there for like the hour or, or 90 minutes or whatever I'm there. So, the whole night, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, yeah. Today, I noticed that when I woke up, I oh, got a frog in my throat and really raw, and I'm like, no, it's, it's not COVID, it's just... Rave voice, you know. Basically, back to feeling how every raver feels after a night out, pretty much. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So, with last night, like, obviously, your music's so prolific. Like, you said, you've got old school bounce techno, the mid 2000s, noughties, all the way up to 2010s. So much, so much music, but so much good music at the same time. What did you find last night was going down? I don't want to say better, but what was the crowd yeah. reacting more to? Because for me personally, like you said, it's, it's the naughty stuff. It's neck breaker. It's so it, it was it was interesting because the the very early '90s stuff, like up to '95, '96 or something, it was just kicking off. Actually, we had to wait a bit because there was an ACDC tribute band on the other floor, <laughs> and they were finishing just as we started. So. They all had to get out, and, and my crowd had to wait outside to get in. So for the first 20 minutes, we, it was kind of, nobody was really there, and there was a big queue outside, but then suddenly everyone came out, and it was just madness. And um, I was, I'd, I'd looked up all the big tunes to play in my playlist, and I was like, I'm gonna have to play some other stuff, just, just as, as music, just to fill it up. And then once it filled up, it was going nuts, and I was like, I thought, in my head, I thought there might be a lull in the late 90s because actually that was when the scene kind of died, you know, Resurrection went bust and a lot of the music people didn't know or maybe they did know it but wasn't their favourites but, you know, I did write, I wrote Elysium like 98, you know, people don't realise it's that old. It's crazy, but there's been a hundred different versions of it. But, um, yeah, I knew there'd be a bit of a lull but we didn't really stick to the, the hour plan, we just... We just kept rolling, and then, like you say, when I went into the sort of the bonkers, the millennium era with the neckbreaker, and um, this is how we do it, and stuff like that, it just, it just went nuts again, and then it just continued. And actually, the last hour, we just played like a lot of Dutch stuff and, and whatever, and it was, we were, we were, so basically, I was doing the whole night, but Gordon, the doctor, and, he, and his son Hotchkiss, yeah. they were. They were kind of my support, I feel like. So if I wanted to go into the toilet or whatever, I'd let them do their thing. Or I'd, I'd be like, have a shot, you know. I'd, 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 and we were trying to outdo each other in the last hour. It was quite funny. So, so it wasn't really Scott Brown, Dust Till Dawn. It was Dust Till Dawn-ish. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was, it was was all my music. It wasn't like yeah. uh, we were swapping out USBs. Everything was, was sorted oh, nice. out. So... It was ridiculous the amount of music that I didn't even play that I could have played. Yeah. It was just silly, like you say. I've been kind of busy in my career, so. Um, but yeah, towards the end, we were just playing a lot of stuff and that we weren't expecting. But the crowd was just going, just every single track it was like, whoa, you know, and just yeah. random. Here we, here we go, and you know all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it was great, good so, fun. So the crowd reacted to all that, but what the 
what do you prefer playing? Like, like I say, you've got such a prolific back catalog uh, music. Yeah. What's what's your what's your favourite to play? Like, if I would say to you, go jump on those decks just now and play me some of your favourite. Well, your favourite um, era, almost. What, what I don't know. Choose? I'd probably I'd probably do a, a a nice mix because I like I like playing a lot of the early nineties stuff, you yeah. know, because it was like significant the music. rock that body and now is the time days the res anthem and then you know things like nightbreaker ob- obvious stuff elysium things yeah. like that i'd probably do a a, a bit of a, a a bit of a collection from the whole a selection from the whole sort of th- 32 years or well, 30 years and there's two years went missing somewhere <laughs> for some reason but um actually uh if it was in a nightclub or something i'm, I'm happy playing anything someone says can you do a bonkers set? I'm like, great, I'll know what to do if you want to do a 90s thing. And I, I will get asked, last night was a bit special because it was a bit of everything, but um, even if it's like, can you play some Gabber? Can you play some of your Dutch stuff? Yeah, whatever, you know, it's it's fine. Um, I've got the music and I've got a wee bit of mixing ability, so. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you've got a fair bit of mixing ability. I remember depends, listening. Depends how many drinks I've had. <laughs> I remember listening to, I think it was you playing in Australia at 170. Oh, that's quite a, that's quite a famous set. Because yeah. it get put in SoundCloud or something. Yeah, and people, just, people keep bringing it up. And um, it was one of those, they asked me to do a 90 minute set, basically of my stuff. And, and they kept bringing me shots. I mean, oh. They, they don't do Jaeger bombs they do these Agua bombs you know what Agua is it's I've, yeah I've heard of, I think it's it's made from coke leaves or something like that it's some exotic South American thing but it's disgusting but they, they kept bringing out these Agua bombs and I ended up feeling a, bit, a wee bit tipsy around about I don't know like an hour and 15 maybe an hour and 10 into the set and I, for, I forgot what I was doing so I just started playing loads of whatever Dutch stuff and the, the guy running it James uh, JTS Shout out JTS. He's yeah, been on the he, he came before. up. He's like, yeah, he's like, uh, what are you doing? I was like, what? He's like, no, you <laughs> might be playing Evolution. I was like, oh, forgot. You know, I was already like, <laughs> I played a couple of tracks that weren't mine. I was like, sorry, but uh, yeah, it was it was great. And it's just one of those sets that that people keep bringing up, just like you've done there. And, and I'm like, I didn't realise it was actually such a, a popular set. But yeah, great set. So basically, what we have to do tonight to get you to play a set as good as that is to just fill you full of Jaeger bombs? Uh, no, no, probably not, because <laughs> that that next day, I had a couple of days before flying back from Sydney so I could recover. Um, I had the fear for a day, I was just lying in bed, shaking. Scott, we've um, got a spare room in the back. So yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a sofa, whatever you're comfy with. <laughs> it's been a long weekend so far, I wouldn't <laughs> mind getting back. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go too hard tonight in terms of, of alcohol, that's, that's what I always say, but it's yeah. It's famous last words. Right it, is famous, it is famous last words. I mean, we've already spoke just before this this podcast about going for a few beers, because <laughs> I do want to get my head wow. down. I'm knackered. I want to get my head down, just have a wee disco nap, and then uh, come back out, and here we go again, sort of thing. So Round two, ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's funny that you bring that up, because it... it Every now and then, someone mentions this this 170 set. And it's like, yeah, it was, and it was a good night at the time as well. But yeah, they um, they actually set four 
CDJs out for me. Oh, so that's that's what I was waiting to bring up. I thought it was three deck mixing, but was it four? It was four, yeah. So what I was doing, I, I was just like getting. You've probably heard in the mix. I, I bring things in, but never actually play them. I was just taking samples Little from teasers, certain tracks, yeah. yeah. And then I would end up forgetting what I was doing, and then going to something else, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I was going to play that album, or whatever, or play something else," you know. Because I'm, I'm always looking at my watch or I'm looking at my phone, just keeping myself in check because I, I like to time everything. So Yeah, you don't want to play over your time. Yeah, and, and I, want, I, I want to kind of time it, you know, so like if it's 90 minutes tonight, I, I want to do the first 20 minutes doing something, then maybe the next 20 doing something else and just break it down into that so that by the end, I, I, I want to go out on a high, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to leave myself, oh, I've got five minutes left and I've got 20 tunes to play, so <laughs> I try and do that so I've had I've had some not, not complaints but comments so like oh he was looking at his phone or he's, he's looking at his watch like maybe like I, I can't be bothered no it's, it's purely because I'm trying to keep track of what I'm doing and make sure I, I, I get everything in that I want to get in 100% I've been there myself when, yeah well we spoke about my gig you know, I'm not afraid shit on it we spoke about my gig in Bucket that was looking at my phone to be like ah oh, shit why can you go home <laughs> there has been gigs where it's been right. Oh shit! I've only got like ten minutes left, and I want to fit this, that, and that. In. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I want to end on a good tune because you want to end on something that crowds won't remember you. Yeah. So yeah. And and you've also got the sound engineer who's probably if you're playing Sitting last, there. you've got the sound engineer, and they come up and they just they don't say it, they just flash five digits in your face. It's like <laughs> five minutes, you know, and you're like, okay. Um, and I did actually get cut off last night. They, they definitely wanted to go home. I was playing Boomstick, of all things. Well, I was just about to say, uh, what was the last tune? It, it was, uh, yeah, I thought I'll, I'll just keep, not keep the best to last, but yeah, you know, something along yeah. those lines. And uh, about two minutes in, it just, it's silent. They cut everything <laughs> off. And it, and it was like, one more tune, one more tune. I'm like, out of my hands. That yeah. was it. And I was, oh. in a way, I was kind of grateful because I did have to get back to the hotel and, yeah. and get some sleep, get ready, and you know, get get prepared for the the journey up here. I didn't want to be knackered, you know, because I could have been hanging, you know. And it's uh, a professional once... when you met. <sighs> well, uh, maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah. <ooh. laughs> but uh, so let's speak about podcasts for a minute because. One podcast I was a huge fan of, and I'm happy that I got to listen to the podcast, but Jesus Christ, he took a lot of my questions. The Malarca Lee podcast. Yes. Great, great podcast. If it went on for hours. Actually, but I, I don't even... Did he put the whole thing up? I'm trying to think, but... I think it was a two-hour podcast it, or something. We, we were talking for a good three hours, actually, and because wow. we were talking before it, like we were earlier, Yeah. and then we, we actually done it in Zoom. So the, the record thing came up, um, but he never put the video out. It was just that that was just his pre- preferred method. So that was one of the first things I'd done because during, during lockdown, and I was saying to you this earlier, I decided just not to do anything. Um, at I want first, to get into this. It's like you you took you took a break. Where, yeah, when, where when everyone went into streaming, yeah. you decided, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting back. So when when I'd been particularly busy at the start of 2000 and um, it was in about March, April something, I can't remember exactly when, but I thought, you know, this, this is nice, I've been constantly doing it for 30 years, so 
they were all saying, you know, the, the big thing was, yeah, everything will be fine, we'll wait till summer passes and then, you know, we'll, everything was kind of rescheduled for September, October. Um, that didn't happen, obviously. But um, for the first three or four months, it was really nice. I started doing normal things and the TV was crap, you know, actually. I never watched, I never watched TV, uh, weekend TV anyway, Ant and Deck or whatever, but nothing was actually on because they couldn't film anything. Yeah. So it was repeats of Dad's Army or whatever. I don't know what was on. But um, I took a break, but the thing was, everybody was asking me to do mixes and you know we we're, were talking about the decks earlier and yeah. I do have decks at home but it's a bit of a busman's holiday you know it's it's like I'm in the house I don't really want to mix when I when I mix I go out at weekends yeah. I've just done five hours last night I'm going to do 90 minutes tonight I don't <laughs> the last thing I want to do is, is go home and practice yeah. it's like if I'm going to do something it's maybe because there's a new bit of technology and I want to learn how to work it but I'm, I'm not going to go out and buy it you know I'll maybe get a loan of it or hire it or something but no, I decided completely just to take a break and I've done nothing. And um, well, well I, I wouldn't say you've done nothing. You did. Well, I did, I did a competition. Yeah, that I, you know, because I was getting so many requests and a lot of people were just bored, so they were lifting samples and doing remixes of my tracks, and and some of them were great, some of them were not so great, and I was like, everyone was a bit depressed you know people were getting furloughed and yeah. there was nothing happening and I was like it was a kind of spur of the moment thing and I was like I'll do a competition and, and the winners I'll, I'll give them a, a thing on uh, I'll give them a mix on one of my CDs and I'll, I'll put a cash prize yeah, up prize money as well which and, um, I, th I thought like <clears throat> the expo always DJs always joke about this I'll do it for the exposure but the exposure alone of just having your name along with the winning DJs but as, to put a cash prize up as well I thought great well, great incentive do you know the thing? I, thing I remember I think it was a Sunday night when I when I posted it and um, I woke up on the Monday and I was like fuck what have I done <laughs> <laughs> couple but, of beers in thinking it's a fucking great idea but you yeah. know it, it was it was a wee bit out, outside the box was and you tempted to be like sorry it's like follow up post I put an extra zero <laughs> on the end of that cash prize yeah, 50 quid in Argos Ventures <laughs> other shops are available <laughs> no but um the reaction that I started getting from, from peers, from friends, and they're like, what a brilliant idea, and I was like, the reaction has been unbelievable. I didn't expect it, you know, I, I, it was like the next day, I was getting all these notifications, and I'm like, wow. And I went through, I, I did, we had a really nice sort of summer, or spring summer, that, that first lock, we did it anyway down south. I know, we, we had it okay up here. So well. I was just sitting in the garden enjoying the sun, and I was I was using the, the Bluetooth speaker and just going through mixes. The, but the, the basic rule was they had to use my music. Yeah. So I'd be listening to a mix and it would be brilliant. I'm like, this is great. And then a track would appear that wasn't mine, and I'm like, I don't believe it. And then there would be a couple other tracks. So. That would be instant elimination, unfortunately. I didn't want to, I, I couldn't be more clear on the rules yeah. when, I, when I did it. Well, I, I actually entered the competition. I think I got down, I think it was around about the top five or something like that, which that alone would, I'm not gonna lie, Scott, I was, I was, I fucking got this. I was really happy with my mix, as I fucking got this, I've got this. And then once it got to the top five, every day I'm going back, I'm listening to my mix and I'm like, 
you start picking like, on oh, it. I hope he doesn't pick up this. And I'm like, well, he's fucking listening to everyone. I'm like, yeah, he's going to pick up on it. He's going to pick <laughs> up on it. It was just little little bits here and there that I was like, that could have been better. That could have been better. This is you, but, you start st- self. You, you do. You start self criticizing. I, I think like, ev- I do, everyone, I do everyone's their own worst critic. Yeah. But but yeah, I was happy to just. Mate, I was just happy to the fact that I was like, Scott Brown's actually listening to my fucking mix. Yeah. And now I'm happy at the fact that, what, maybe a year and a half later, I'm like, Scott Brown's sitting in my living room and we're we're chugging down pints of Corona. Fair enough, it's water, but Okay, still. it's water, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting quite comfortable and I'm, I'm with my new uh, Star Wars Lego collection. So it's a fuck, mate, it's a fucking <laughs> expensive collection. Yeah, I didn't yeah. actually realise how expensive it was to buy a Death Star. I mean, I'm not talking about a real Death Star, I'm talking about Lego, but still, you know, 300 quid. What? Yeah. I but, don't know how much the, the Emperor must have spent on his death stuff. Well, <laughs> I, mean, I don't even well, know. Well, he, he had to do it twice, mate, because it got blown up the first time. <laughs> so, I think that's that's things why I say to everyone, I'm like, see if my 13-year-old self could see me now. Like, I play Happy Hardcore. I still play with fucking Lego, even though, granted, some of it is my daughter's, but... And you, I, I come still, on, it's well, yours, mate. Well, don't don't the, lie. The, the Harry Potter set, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, fuck that no, shit. No, Le- Lego's uh, <laughs> Star Wars and Star Wars. It's, I'm, I'm not buying it. It's not for the kids. It's, 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 it's for the dads. <laughs> but I do that. I still watch fucking wrestling at times. I'm like everything I do is like from when I was like my 13 year old self up till now, and I'm like. Yeah, I think if my 13-year-old self could see him, I think he'd be quite happy with yeah. where shit's gone. He's like, oh, you're getting to do that, and you, you get to see boobs on the odd occasion. Like, oh, we're, we're winning, mate. We're winning. <laughs> but we're we're digressing a bit now. Yeah, but, uh, but no, no, I, to be honest, I'm the same. I had no... I, I, I didn't do music at school. I, I just had a little sort of Yamaha, a Casio. I liked... I, I, I was in, I sort of grew up through the 80s and listening to Depeche Mode and Erasure and then later it was like New Order and stuff like that and I, I would just mess around in the room but I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to release, release records. Releasing records was for famous people, yeah. you know? Um, and I didn't, I, that, that was never something for me and then the rave scene happened and suddenly it was like... So how how did you get involved in racing? Because obviously it was Qtex yes. that started it. Well, like last night, it was all done in order. So we'll try chronologically go through everything. So Qtex is where it all started. So how how did you guys get into racing and come together? So we were I, I was going out anyway to to events in Glasgow. You know the the rave scene. You know from like the late eighties. Actually, you could say the mid the mid eighties, but it started getting really big in the UK in the late eighties, early nineties, and it was just a sort of natural thing. I started. I, I was at uni at the time. I was doing physics, believe it or not, and um, I used my, my I got a grant check at first, and then student loan. Spent it all on gear, you know. I spent <laughs> it all on um, uh, synth samplers and. Another guy that I, I sat next to in the class, we, we came from completely different musical backgrounds, both liked electronic music and raves and stuff, so we started going out and then we, we started doing some stuff together and then uh, we, one of his friends, was he had a keyboard and that was the thing, because keyboards were so expensive, they were like grand, 1500 quid a pop at the time, yeah. so instead of, you know, spending 10 grand, we had strength in numbers, it was four of us, so we managed to have a, a full sort of 
uh, set of equipment and uh, one thing led to another we, we actually just did a demo tape we used to go out doing gigs I, I, I saw a flyer for a, a, an event at the, at the uni and uh, the tickets were basically it was a mobile <laughs> even a mobile number because we didn't have mobiles back then it's like the guy's house number and I left a voicemail and it's like um, can, can you know we've got a band can we play at your, your event and uh, I, of course I left my number and, and they get back to me he's like yeah um, would you be able to do it for like you know 50 quid and I was like getting paid as well yeah so you did know, you share that with band or did you yeah, we all like, took a tenner like, each, and then you're the one tenor. up. So <laughs> yeah, no, we I think we took a tenner each, and then used the rest for petrol, sort of thing. You know, that's how that's how it started. But that that one gig, and we were doing cover versions of of uh, Digital Boy and things like that. You know, and Enjoy were pretty big at the time. Eight Eight State, so we were we were kind of just doing copies or our own versions of their tracks and from that we ended up getting another gig and and then it just went nuts so we ended up doing a lot of things like Earthquaker and um, Technodrome and stuff which which were, were headlined by Enjoy and stuff like that yeah. but we were getting or TTF were also in, in the frame at the same time we, we never actually got on at first because we were rivals you know but we'd, we'd become good friends since that's what you Mal were saying in the podcast you did with him yeah, we hated each other. Ultrasonic was like <laughs> I could pick up there was a bit of beef, but obviously you guys were like friendly on the podcast and you're friendly now. What what like was the beef between you two back then? It, was it, it wasn't so much it wasn't so much with Malorca, it was um so one of the guys in, in QTX, Roger, he he was um basically he wasn't putting he wasn't pulling his weight, so he got sacked and and we were we were all good friends and completely fell out and then about a year or two later him and uh, Mallorca got together and they signed to Club Scene the Club Scene records hated me because I was doing stuff on Shoop and then I started Evolution and instead of looking at the the rivalry and the competition as a healthy thing he just wanted to dominate the scene so as much as I would do interviews in Club Scene and stuff there was a kind of feel the hatred you know like they, they wanted to, the, the, the monopoly but I was putting out so much stuff people were wanting to come to me and I was selling a lot of music and this was you know 93, 94, 95 yeah. it was good times you know and the resurrection was booming um, and then I don't know it was just a very unfriendly rivalry and, and then we bumped into each other at a gig somewhere like four for I may have mentioned it in, in his podcast but um, I went up to Roger and it was the kind of first time I'd seen him since since we'd split ways and it was one of those I put my hand out to say how are you doing and yeah. uh, they just walked straight past me so I, oh. you know, I, I went on to sort of quite a, you know quite a few in my hair you know and just put, <laughs> run my hands through my hair I was like wow that was a bit dry play it off nicely and um then I went upstairs, we were all staying in the same hotel and um, I knocked on the door and it was actually Mallorca that answered. He can't remember this, but I, I was like, is Roger around, you know? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm, I'm Scott, by the way, you know, just... and He knew who you were. Yeah, we, we all knew who each yeah. other were, but after that, the, the rivalry just, just got worse. And it was a lot of bullshit, to be honest. It, was, it wasn't just... It was just because we were the kind of big bands at the time and TTF didn't like Ultrasonic, not Mallorca, Ultrasonic. And Ultrasonic 
didn't like Qtex and vice versa, but we'd already made peace with TTF. But there was other bands, it was Rhythmic State, it was, uh, you know, whoever, Chili FM, whatever. Everyone had a kind of... Backstage used to be quite frosty, to be honest, back in those days. But did that... Did that rivalry between did that not like spur you on to do it, tunes like absolutely love yeah and like so much more that's just we like, would I would hear something that they they wrote and I'd be like how have they done that you know and then and think, I would, like fuck we need to do better we're oh, yeah. we're going to beat that yeah and that was the, that was the thing that kind of annoyed me about club scene what it, it seemed. It seemed to me that they wanted to suck everything up and just do it themselves, but I think the way that there was so many different labels, and even M8 started their own label, but I think that that upped everyone's game. I mean, we, we were working on limited equipment. It's not like now where you can buy a, you can actually buy a fairly cheap PC and write really good quality yeah, music. Everything's in everything. on the computer, and whereas you know, five hundred quid. All, but back then, individual samplers, keyboards. Yeah. And yeah. we used to take everything on stage as well. We, you know. Bands used to play from um, DAT tapes, but we couldn't afford a DAT machine because it was about a grand. So we used to take we used to take everyone on stage yeah. and play live. Oh, it, was, it was madness. And then it, it turned into a kind of competition of who could take the most keyboards on stage. With Enjoy, <laughs> I would say being the benchmark. And bet we we were never Enjoy were like pop stars to us. You know they were yeah. they were like the ones we were trying to copy. But Ultrasonic started taking loads on stage. So we were like right, you're going to take loads on stage. <laughs> And then they had all this sort of uh, white uh, cargo net sort of stuff, you know what I'm talking about, the camouflage yeah. stuff. So we started buying lights and trying to make a, try to make it a show because clubs, we just had that crossover from the 80s into the 90s. So a lot of the lighting in the clubs was, was a bit dated and yeah. a lot of the clubs had dated names as well, you know. I've, I've, I'm not going to mention some of them. Yeah, but, I won't you know, shit on any clubs just now. <laughs> no, but they, you know, we, we would take our own light, and it was like, where did you get this stuff? You know. So and, you guys actually had to invest in like obviously the equipment, yeah, because it's used. Yeah. Money, but investing in lights. Yeah, we would take we would everything we'd, else. Not just, just strobes, but we'd um, with these things called arc lines. Arc lines were amazing. They were basically like um, two meter long, um, like a strip light, but they would work as strobes, and, yeah. and you could link them all up and, and do shapes out of them so we used to tons of those it was, it was okay. great so at the same time as doing it live <laughs> one of the guys would have buttons to, to do different things yeah. yeah and it was yeah good but days th- you know things like that like at that time it would like, it makes me think just now of like uh, Eric Prids when he does his Prida shows yep. he's got that big like what is it the oh what's it Hit me with those laser beams. Okay, he yeah, takes yeah. His own lasers, and yeah. no matter what festival it is it goes mental. So, yeah, like things like them back then, it must have, it must have drew more of a crowd to you because you'd be like, oh fuck, let's go see Qtex because holy shit, the lights. Uh, what, and uh, so, and, and we, we we had to have the best dancers, you know, and and everyone was trying to outdo each other for a stage show, you mm-hmm. know, and it was all about, it was all about a half hour of just not just music, but but giving people a, a blast you know in their face and like wow this is I've never seen this before yeah. you know and so there was a lot of things that we did and yeah then the notoriety we, we just we just grew and grew and then we started releasing we started aiming for, for the charts which a lot of the other TTF did obviously but a lot of other bands didn't and but we, we started releasing like Power of Love and stuff like that and we were actively trying to get in the charts, but well, we found I, out it's not as easy as uh, well, <laughs> it seems. Well, no, I, I did some research, and like it says, go. I'm lost without some of my notes, okay, so 
I'm not going to lie, the Q-Tex era was a bit before my time, but I've been into the rave music and a lot of the, the tracks. So, uh, The Power of Love charted twice, first in 1994 at number 13 in Scotland, in number 65 in the UK charts. There we go. Does that sound right? I'll go with that. And as a remix in 1997, it's charted at number 10 in Scotland and 49 in the UK. Believe is your highest yes. Scottish chart and single, which peaked at number two. And Let the Love is the highest UK chart and single, peaking at number 30. So yep, that's right. We just got in. We got a mention on top of the pops. We were actually on a standby just in case. Shout out from Jimmy Savile. Yes. <laughs> was it? Now then. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, holy shit. Um, but yeah, we, we, we were aiming for the charts and we'd had the midweek position and it was round about that. So we were we were doing a, a tour. We were, we were up in Aberdeen. We were up in Inverness. We were touring all over the country doing in-stores. I think it was like HMV or something. And queues and queues of people wanting signed CDs. And it was all part of the... the a lot of bands used to do that back yeah. then. It's a bit like, uh, you don't get it now, but like, bookshops still do it, you know, so authors will go around and they'll sign books yeah. and, you know, it's, you it's all just a like push. Pop stars and shit like that. Like, like I said, fucking, I still watch wrestling. Toy stores will sometimes do, I took my daughter down to meet some wrestlers when they were up here a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, yeah, so, yeah, it's just... You go and, you go and buy the mar- merch and then in. you get it signed. And marketing, it's, exactly. It's, it's a bit of marketing, but it's a, it's a nice... People are going to buy the... the music anyway I would like to think so but it's just a, li- a little thing it's like, I think for fans oh, it's gonna... nice to get that little interaction with yeah. someone so like especially somebody that you look up to so yeah and it was um, it, it was hard work to be honest because we were on a, such a tight schedule because we were literally driving one city to the next to the next to the next but sometimes in the same day and you know it wasn't just Scotland we were we were um you were all over the place. You we were, were, we were all over because it was. We were going for national, and we, we, I think we went down as far as we were actually knackered. This, this is a crazy story, but um, we were doing. I think it was an HMV in Manchester, and we'd been up here. Um, I think we might have went back via Dundee or something, and we were heading back towards Glasgow, and we were just knackered. We were just absolutely done in, and we um, we ended up cancelling the. Um, the in-store and that was when the Manchester bombing took place like the next day um, the IRA obliterated the, the sort of city centre and we wouldn't have been there at the time but it was like the next day and it was like wow it was uh, it just kind of sits in your thoughts yeah you? yeah you know and, and, and now you know that I'm down there you know you, you walk by where it is and the, there's a very famous post box that that I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. There's a, a post box that survived the bombing. It still okay. stands there. Now it's got a plaque on it. But the, the whole place was decimated. That whole city centre, which has been rebuilt and it looks amazing. But the post box still stands, and uh, it's got a nice little plaque on it. But yeah, it's a kind of reminder. That was that was roughly when we released that single. It was around about that time. Okay. So yeah. obviously with Qtex for so long, and then came the split you went into the split on Mal's podcast but it's not so much the split that I want to talk about it's going from working with like so how much was it? four four years five there was four. there was four yeah yeah three, three guys one girl yeah how was it going from 
working with these guys to becoming just just top two. Yeah. Um, I know you were doing a lot of like you say it in Miles podcast. You were doing a lot of the work. You were prolifically making a lot of music. I was doing a lot of stuff with different people. A lot of them are just friends, to be yeah. honest. You know. Um, so how was the transition going from band to solo artist? I didn't. I didn't find it difficult to be honest. Yeah. Um, it was. The hardest thing about it was probably losing a couple of mates, you know? And the, w- the way it happened, I wasn't even involved in, the, in the, the split, so that was probably the hardest bit about it. And yeah, it, it just I was kind of cut off and I was like, you know, Sam, I'm, I'm still going to do it, you know, because I was writing a lot of the music anyway, so I thought, well, just continue. And that, that went on, I mean, that was like the sort of late 90s and then it got to the millennium and then, you know, the scene had kind of died anyway, so um, it was a couple of years of just writing music, nothing really selling, and then the 2000s happened, you know, and boom, took off again. Yeah, so along the lines of working solo, now this, I've been trying to think of a way to word this question for a good couple of days now. Now, this is probably the dumbest question you've probably ever been asked. You'd be surprised. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but there is reasoning behind it. So, we'll do the dumb question first. How did you pick your DJ name? That's that's a dumb bit, but... The, You'd the have re- to ask my mum about that one, to be fair. Well, the reason, <laughs> the reason behind it is because you had so many aliases. Alter egos, yeah. How... I was waiting to say, well, do how much can you remember, and how much have I got written down? Um, I can pretty, pretty much remember some of them. <laughs> so, no, so basically, I, I started when what, how it happened. Um, when DJs used to put out records or, or whatever vinyl, um, or, or when a producer put it out, there was an automatic assumption that it was a DJ. So I started getting requests to DJ, and I, I wasn't a DJ, you know. And and I was always called. People would be like, "Oh, that's that's, that's Scott for Cutex." That was kind of Scott for Cutex. That was the thing. <laughs> but it would always be, you know, no matter what name I went under, whether it was a Scotchman, which I didn't make that name up, and it's an it was the Dutch in, guys. It's, it should be in the Scotsman, but yeah. they called it a Scotchman. And we'll, we'll go through some of the ma- names. It was Equation, and actually, I decided to go under the name DJ Equation at first because that was one of the first couple of things I did in Evolution but people kept saying it's Scott and, and it's just, you know and it, it just kind couldn't of couldn't escape it I couldn't escape it yeah so I was like started just started using my own name because people knew that all the productions were done by me so it was yeah, yeah it was just easy thing because down here I've got Mr. Brown yeah Lord of Hardcore Hardcore Authority The Scotchman Plus System uh, plus system was a, a good one. I, because plus system, I, you did a few releases on. Yeah, because that carried on into the late like twenty times as well. Yeah, yeah, it was because um, I, I had so much stuff coming out. I mean, I had a lot of labels in the ni- the nineties, which I ended up scrapping. But in the millennium, after the millennium, I, I thought I went to another label and I called it Evolution Plus. And then I don't know why I came up with the name Plus System, but. That, that became a, a bit of an alter ego which, which was very popular and I, I made it in a particular style 
and and yeah, people still like it, you know. So I would I would start doing plus system remixes, you know, but people knew it was me anyway. Yeah. And then we've got in groups, we've got Interstate, yeah, Equation, Hyperart, obviously Qtex, and yeah, that's pretty much them all. So, oh, good bit of homework. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was, there was Annihilator, there was sure some there Dutch stuff, more. yeah, there was some there was some Dutch stuff that I'd done under different names as well. But um, yeah, done a few things. But at the start of your time as a solo artist, you had many releases on labels like Dwarf Records, Bass Generator Records, Twisted Vinyl, Forge Records, and a whole lot more, which yeah. I probably couldn't find. But uh, what inspired you to start your own label essentially um basically simple not getting paid um so i'm not going to go through all the labels that didn't pay me there was a lot but one of the (laughs) one of the worst ones so the the scotchman on on dwarf and baby boom was owned by a company called combined forces and they they paid no one and done a runner that that's just uh, one of the dark things one one of the many dark stories in the scene but um, I was getting extremely frustrated because I was selling a lot of units and I never made a penny. A lot. If you look back, oh my God, I'm not even going to mention some of the records, but it's like, it's soul destroying. I'll tell you off air which ones I didn't make money on. <laughs> but um, I ended up going to the distributor directly who, who was responsible for, for it was uh, Delta at the time. Delta? Yeah. Delta? Delta. One of those. And... Um, I ended up going to them directly and they knew exactly who I was and, and I was like, listen, I don't know a thing about record label on the lights, dead easy, you know. And well, it must have been quite an intimidating thing. Like, I mean, now, like, literally, I think you can get an online distributor. Yeah, so dead easy, yeah. Back, well, back then, back we had... in the days, it must have been so intimidating. Like, it must have been a scary thing to do, go like, I'm going to set up my own record label. Like, yeah. what was going through your mind when you were looking well, to do this, essentially? I mean, really, honestly, it came, it came down to money, but I, my friend uh, that I went to school with, uh, Ian Lindsay, his name is, shout out to Ian Lindsay, he'd done, um, he'd done all the original evolution artwork, the famous E with the, the swirls around the edge. I wanted to, I, I, I remember being in Amsterdam, actually, and I saw a Recycle logo on a tram. You know, the recycle logo was it was a triangle thing with arrows going around I was, it. I think I know exactly what like e you're speaking of. Yeah, and 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 I was like, I said to Ian, I was like, I want something like that. Yeah. As it happened, we both wanted to do graphic design at school. Turns out he was good at it, and I wasn't. <laughs> I needed, I was good at maths and physics, so I, had, I did that. Completely born. But um, he went on to work for a, a, a really good company and. Uh, I would. He only lived a few streets away, so I'd go up to his and I'd kind of draw stuff out, and then he'd yeah. like come up with the magic. So, you know, we'd we'd have to design sleeves, uh, the, the actual circle in the middle, then get the printed off. Then we had to get the the, the manufacturing done, uh, and there was so many different stages to the process. You know. Um, so it was a bit intimidating, but honestly, the distributors were, were very, very helpful in, yeah. in getting me set, set up. And it must then, have been an exciting thing to go through as well. As much as it was intimidating, it must have been like, fuck, we're, we're doing this. It, like, was, it was brilliant. I mean, one of the first times, I mean, everything was in London. One of the first times I went down to the um, the distributors to see it all happen, I was like, wow, this is this is where it's... I mean, basically, they were phoning up shops and like, we've got... We've got 
a new Scott Brown thing. Like, we'll take, uh, you know, four boxes, which was, I mean, 120, it was like 30 a box. And, um, and then they took me to the, the pressing plant. We used, I think it was it's BMG Sony, something like that. And, and I remember going to the pressing plant, which was full of lathes, just all working, all pressing off my stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, it was just, you don't <laughs> see it, so, you know, but it's like a blob of vinyl, like hot wax. And it goes in between two metal plates, metal masters as we called them. And then it, it, it was so very manual and it would press it flat. It would pop out the other end, it would trim off the edges and that's your vinyl. And it would wow. it would just drop it into a sleeve. And I, I remember watching, you know, if I had a phone at the time, you know, like everyone's got an <laughs> iPhone or whatever. I'd have been like, ah, this is just fantastic. And it would have been, you know, it would have been booming on, it would have been uh, so going much viral. So on Facebook. <laughs> but now, these days, the, the, a lot of them, you know, they either get scrapped or they get bought over and there's, there's not so many around. I, if I wanted to get vinyl pressed, I could quite yeah. easily. But back then, it was much easier because vinyl was just selling everywhere. And we weren't really doing CDs, which is vinyl, vinyl, vinyl. Do you ever think, you just said you could get a print, do you ever think about maybe pressing up some, like, limited edition stuff. I've considered it out of nostalgia, but yeah. it's an awful lot of work now compared I, to what I, it was then. I think it's it's something that we sell. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I, I would, you know. I mean, a lot of people like a lot of people buy them just to have them framed yeah. on the wall. Not even. Well, I did. It. I mean, you know, uh, Lunacy does a lot of night night force stuff, and yeah. I did a remix in one of those, and I, I've got the the vinyl in the house, and uh, um, again, it's just. It's, it's personal, sentimental, sentimental yeah. you know, and it was it was an ASEN track I remixed as well. I was like, yes, one of my favourite tunes. So nice. it was great, and it's a good thing to have. It was a nice uh, box edition as well. So okay. still wrapped, still in cellophane. I don't <laughs> think I'm, I'm going to keep it that way as well. <laughs> so coming away from vinyls, like it says, we're going through your career kind of in the order that my scatter brain could categorise it in. So we'll move into the like uh, my favourite era, the 2000s. Um, this is around the time where like Bonkers and everything's yeah. kicking up now. During your time in Bonkers, you feature heavily on the albums. I think it was from Bonkers 9 all the way through to 17. Yes. What was your favourite Bonkers album to be uh, yeah. a part of. I, I can imagine this. I get asked this a lot. I tend, I tend to just go for Bonkers 10 purely because it was a very popular album, but um, oh God, there was so many, and uh, you know, some of them, you know, I've done, done mixes with Mark Smith, Gamma, uh, Neophyte. Neophyte. Yeah, the Neophyte one was a good one. Did you and Gamma do one? What was that, sorry? Did you and Gamma do one? Yeah, we did it, um, we did it in a separate studio, so I. What we did was we shared half the music and I did half the mix, he did the other half. And we did the same with, with Neophyte, he did his in Holland. So I, I might have done the first half, he might have done the second, and then we just glued it all together, if you like. So it just seems like one solid mix. Nice. But yeah, I think probably the earlier ones, and oh, they were big sellers as well, but there was a lot of really good tracks at the time, personally, oh, yeah. and, and in the raves. So yeah, some of those albums. Yeah, just unforgettable, you know, and and collectors as well, collectors yeah, uh, things. Was bonkers. Did you realise at the time that it was going to be such a big like when you got asked to come on? It did you realise that like 
I, I, I was like, I mean, we I get did, it was quite like, well, it was like, it was already established, and so, so when I got asked to do it, I thought it might have been a one-off, and of course it ended up being loads. And you, you became like the the staple point of it all. Like I met, whenever we would listen to a bonkers album, no disrespect to anyone else, it was on the albums, but it was an, always an argument of are we going to listen to the Hicksy one or the Scott Brown one first, and we were always arguing over. <laughs> Because ours were quite to. similar, he would do a lot of, I mean, even Breeze and Styles did. I always uh, found your stuff to be mixes. a bit darker. Yeah, I always, I, it's always been my style yeah. anyway. I would start off light and take it hard on harder. Yeah. Like I was saying about the set last night, you know, I finished off particularly hard, actually. But um, yeah, that that was, I used to do it back in the 90s. I would always, because I, I liked a lot, you know, a lot of the stuff that I was buying as a fan was like Rotterdam records, a lot yeah. of the Midtown stuff the Mocom stuff so I would like to chuck a bit of that in at the end just to be different you know and then a lot of DJs started doing it and I was like oh. stop copying me stop <laughs> it yeah this is my idea so I, w- I would end up getting like a lot of promos that people wouldn't get and yeah nice. that, that's that's kind of how that started and so so going on to Bonkers did you notice like after that first album maybe first couple of albums that you'd been on did you notice like the bookings did it do a lot for bookings for you or I think it just I was getting booked I was getting booked a lot anyway so it was it was all everything just went hand in hand but now you know fast forward 20 years pretty much um, I'm getting a lot of bonkers bookings yeah because of that and and that's what people want to hear you know one one thing I just thought of actually speaking of bonkers the characters yeah how much say did you guys have in how your characters looked? Um, for me personally, not much. Um, I think it was mostly the label, and it was kind of Sharky and Hicksy's thing. But we, we would we would know that there'd be a theme. Yeah. So you know, we had the one that looked like the Matrix, and they would always kind of base it on something that was was relevant Pop at the time. Culture. Yeah. So we, yeah, exactly, and we would get the concept art or the sketches in it first and and would be like that looks brilliant or I don't like that but whether we liked it or not it was getting done you know (laughs) and um, some of them some of them were great you know and you you see you see the bonkers uh, things on Facebook or whatever the the events and they still use the same artwork they just yeah I guess they just cut and paste it and you know I think I think you also with the ponytail and everything I think even if it didn't look like me, you yeah, knew it was you me. Knew it was you. Like Sharky, obviously, in big years, like you knew it was him. Like, there's a couple of ones that, like, you'd sometimes look at anybody. Like, they've that, changed is, the artist. That, is, sometimes they changed the artist, and it was a bit ropey. You, you know, were like, is that Styles? Is that Mark Smith? You're like, who the fuck is that? But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So, well, fast forward a good few years now, and moving into the present day. This is something I really wanted to touch on, and Evolution Records has been releasing a whole heap of music over the years. Yeah. Uh, as of late, it's been a little bit quiet, and I don't think we've seen a release from you now, if my research is right. Yeah. It'd be Wakey Wakey back in 2019. Yeah, yeah. Probably right, yeah. The remix. So, when... Um when lockdown happened, sort of, let's go right back to the Qtex days. A lot of what we used to write, we would play live and and experiment with it, and if you'd get a crappy reaction. You'd yeah. be like, 
shit, I need to go back to the studio and work on this. And that's always been the way I've worked. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when... Which I think, like, that kind of goes to, like, you look at, like, stuff like stand-up comedy, where it's like, you might watch, like, Dave Chappelle or something. That joke he's telling, he's not just thought of that there. No, it's, it's, been, it's been well... Twisted, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been to see... Much the same. I've been to see some comedians and, and they're like, I'm going to try some new stuff and... and they'll be like mm, that wasn't so good and, and and then you see the DVD uh, like Kevin Bridges I went to see Kevin yeah. Bridges and um, I think it was in Leeds and some of the jokes were terrible you know and it, it was like really flat and he's but like crafting it so. he's like I, I, I better I better tell some different jokes and by the end <laughs> everyone's laughing but when the DVD came out the same jokes were in but he'd, he'd fine tuned them yeah. and it was like I don't remember that joke being that funny I remember everyone sitting going yeah. You know, and it was a bit of that and I, I just thought it was because we were watching him in England because he always recorded his shows in Glasgow <laughs> yeah. or, some, or somewhere in Scotland but um, yeah when, when lockdown happened I kind of like I said I took a break from everything and, and there was a lot of guys got very productive because it was boredom so they were either taking to live streaming people were um, trying to write music or you know some just took to the studio and just kept writing stuff well, if it wasn't it. for lockdown I wouldn't have started there you go. writing music for years I've been like nah fuck it I just need a DJ I don't need to make music but yeah Yeah. I, and now I'm like I just need to make music I don't need to fucking DJ <laughs> <laughs> well that yeah for me um, I took the break and then when we started again I, did, I didn't want to be writing music and, and going down a path that I was thinking this stuff's great and it just wasn't getting listened to yeah. or people weren't buying it so that was kind of the reason why I, I, I didn't write stuff and then lockdown just dragged on and dragged on and, and with it was my, to be honest my, my mental state wasn't brilliant it was like when is this ever going to end you know because a lot of people were like we, we were in the back of the queue you know I mean a lot of places Amazon were going through the roof <laughs> you know everyone's <laughs> got the brown boxes piling up and having to get rid of them but we knew that, that nightclubs, theatres, any kind of live event was, was going to be last. So yeah. it, was a, it, was, it was a very strange period. And then when we did open again, I mean, in England then, we were talking nearly a year ago, I just started getting booked for, can you do a bonkers set? Can you do a res set? Can you do a certain period? Yeah. And my thing, and people, in my career, and people were just wanting to come out and party. They, were, they weren't wanting an education. They were just wanting to come out and party. And just it's, wanted to hear everything and it's still, it's still the same. And I guarantee tonight it's going to be the same. Yeah. They're going to be like, are you going to play Nightbreaker? Are you going to play this? What's what's your most commonly asked for song, actually? What's what? Between Elysium and Boomstick, probably, but Neckbreaker and This Is How We Do It, but there's always someone at the front of my phone with Boomstick and big, huge text holding it up, yeah. and they're like, fucking play Boomstick! You know, <laughs> get really, you know it was a, there was a guy last night, he just, the whole night from like the first hour, I'm like, I'm going to play it later, I'm going to play it later, you know, kind of making the signal. Oh. And, and then it got cut off after two minutes, but there you go. I'll, I'll give you a laugh in relation to that. So we played a gig down at Beach Bar, and there's this girl, fuck knows how she got behind the decks, but she got behind the decks and she's standing. I'm playing last. Ian Vandal's just on before me. Um, He's a character, eh? <laughs> I just says Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, man. But, yeah, he's, he's a funny guy, man. Funny but, guy. Uh, yeah, so Ian Vandal's on before me, and this girl's, and she's like, play Come Running, play Quiver. I'm like, darling, oh, I'm going no. dar- like, go to get to just... 
I want to play some other stuff. I want to, yeah. like I say, I want to educate people. I don't just want to play, like, you know? So, uh, she's like, you want a drink? I'm like, yeah, vodka and lemonade. So I've got pints sitting. She comes down, vodka and lemonade sitting there. I'm like, thank you. Turns on drinking my pint. Yap into somebody over here. Yeah. Turns around and goes, I'm like, right, fuck it, I'll drink my vodka and lemonade. Look. She's picked up the vodka and lemonade and went, he didn't play quiver. Well, you know, it, it happens if someone was contacting you, and you'll hear people saying, "Can you play this or play that?" There's always one who's just a, a bit too much to drink or something, and Slapping it down. starts getting really irritating. And especially in this day and age of COVID, and it's it's going around again, you know, and. They're coming up and flames coming. I actually did spike there. So ah, <laughs> the COVID couch. Um, you're you're going to love the DJ booth tonight, then, because it's literally a box, and yeah, people can get to you. Oh, great! So <laughs> any, anyway, um, besides that, there's always this one guy, and he just nags and nags and nags. And I've got, I'd say I've got a pretty good tolerance level because you have to, you know, you don't want to be the prick, and yeah, you know, I. I I'd like to think I was quite a friendly guy, but sometimes they just go too far, and I'm like, I'm not fucking jukebox, <laughs> you know. And they look at you, and and, and the, the, it's like, don't expect that, and you then they don't disappear. Find you're leaving that night, and I'm like, Scotland's fucking dick. I just wanted him to play Bring Me Round the Love. <laughs> oh, mate, I've had it so many times. <laughs> bring me round the love. I'm bringing you round the fucking eight. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, uh, it's happened a few times, and and people come up and they'll be like, I heard you were a pure prick, and I'm like. Who told you that? I was Jimmy for, for somewhere, and you're like, I don't know, I don't even remember. I had a guy last night, and uh, he might even be listening to this, and um, it was just before I went in, it was like 10 to 10 or something, just before we were starting. Um, and he, quit, he had a look about him, he had a bald head, and he had a big sort of beard and everything, he you know. It was in the video that you posted, I think. Yeah, he was I right think, at the front, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, yeah, yeah, he was right <laughs> at the front. But he, the first thing he said to me was, do you remember me? <laughs> so it happens all the time. He's like, do you remember me from the something in Newcastle like 10 years ago? And I'm like, mate, I need to go in and DJ. I, 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 I don't really know. And then he, he followed it up by saying, yeah, I had a Mohican at the time. Remote. And I'm like, Mate, you've got a big beard and a bald head. How am I supposed to remember? <laughs> you know, I was kind of joking with it. It was actually, it was actually good fun, the guy. But yeah, he was in the middle of that video that I posted earlier. Okay. Um, he was front center the whole night, so you know that 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 was great. You know, yeah. there was a lot of people just doing that. Just, I don't know how they did it to be honest, because <laughs> I was dying. I was absolutely drenched, and these guys were just going for it. Like, so like you say, mate, you you only turn up for. What you need to play so like an experience for you last night is turning up for the whole rave like how, how long has it been since you've been to a full rave full night start <laughs> to finish dancing jumping about doing whatever how, wow. how long's that been so actually i used to i used to get pretty drunk my mate used to drive everywhere and and i'd have a, a I'd have chauffeur a, yeah it was it, Tony was great, man. He used to take me everywhere, and uh, he he got really well known because where's your where's your mate or, or Tony? Or maybe he couldn't make it tonight or something. Nobody but... wants to see Scott or see Tony. Yeah, I, I, I was so drunk, man. It was just I just became a habit. So I'd have a little cool bag at my feet, 
and uh, I'd, I'd have some beers before. <laughs> We'd always be stopping for breaks and stuff. So you know, a two-hour drive would be like a four-hour drive, and uh, I'm sure he used to hate me for it. But you know, it, it was always there. And um, yeah, and back in those days, I, I would I, I would hang around for a while, but sometimes it would just get a bit too much. You, people. You could you'd see someone at the start of the night and they were very sober and then within four hours they were very drunk and very annoying. Go to notice that with me tonight, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all right just now, but <laughs> God, you're not driving me back to the airport tomorrow, are you? Uh, we've got a bike sitting outside, so I'm getting on spare no bike. Spare helmet in the cupboard out here. We'll get you out here. I've got no fuck, mate. It's cool. Depending on the state, I might take you down to Manchester on the back of the bike. Let's see. Oh my god. Oh There's my no god. roads where we're going. <laughs> yeah, back to the future. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just had to say, it makes me think that now is the time thing when you're standing there with your little Marty McFly you watch. That was the whole. Uh, I mean, the, the guy the guy that I used. Um, uh, oh god, he's a Canadian guy. He was an absolutely brilliant artist and he'd done some cartoon stuff and I wanted to do. Something co- I wanted to base it on now is the time because yeah. now is the time had been such a big tune, but um, I said I, I want to do it exactly like that because Back to the Future. So, did you have that vision in your head? This is what I want, yeah. And I, I was like, because I'd already been on a flyer years ago in, in Torquay, like 10 12 years ago, and they'd done something quite similar. And um, then there was the Back to the Future events, not, not the, the movies, but the yeah. ones in Glasgow, and they'd kind of you know, done the same thing and I was like, oh, I want to do that, but I want it to be now is the time because there's been so many remixes of it and it's like, now it's like 26 years old or something. Um, I, need, I need to mix another one, you know, that this is the thing, I, I need to get some stuff going because, yeah. Where's uh, it, there's a styles, like, what is it, it's saying? I'm sure it's called like Bits in Time or something. Bits in Time, like I, I might play it tonight, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, he, he really did take... I mean, th- there's loads of samples of bits and pieces of mine, and there's no, no question it was um, it was uh, completely influenced by it as well. But it was a, a different thing. It was like hard bag, and it was like an import. It was a mad white label import, and like, what is this stuff? But at the time, I was just making bouncy techno, whatever. So yeah. I, I wanted to make something like that. But yeah, when Dan Styles did it, he, he literally took bits and pieces and did the. Yeah, it makes the two work. together and, and it works, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, it's, it sounds really good in a, a big system because it's got a solid bass on it, you know, it's nice. So, speaking of now is the time, I actually wanted to kind of get into this because there was a, a Facebook post from you mm. not that long ago and it might yep. just be because I'm a bit thick, but what's what's the, what's basically, what's what's the crack of it? Like, what is it, now is time's getting pulled from... I uh, I just made I just basically made the decision to delete it from from future sale. Um, Why? Over over the years, because one one thing you said in that post, you said it haunted you. Yes. Why is why is the truck haunted? It, you? It, it haunted me. I've been asked this before. Just people like, what what did you mean by that? And it's like it's quite an easy record to sample. You know, like all the samples that were in it, I'd lifted yeah. and. Martin Luther King. Like, yeah, the, yeah, the amount of the amount of remixes that have been sent to that that were there's a bass drum. I don't want to break a table, but there's oh, a the table's fucking. The, the bass. It was it was just 
getting beyond the, beyond the joke. And what was annoying me was instead of producers, okay, I, I understand people using samples, I did it myself, but well, I want to get on the samples. Making the making that their, their opening gambit and, and wanting to be a producer and sending me a really bad remix, and now is the time. And or it would be people writing to me and saying, "Can I have the stems? Or can I have the MIDI file for Elysium or something like that?" But now is the time. Was was it's a very easy tune, you know? It's, yeah. It was a very easy tune to make. It was done it in like a day or two. Um, yeah, fucking popular it is. That's yeah, but um, yeah, it, that's that's what I meant by it haunted me because I knew every week it, w- it would be go on SoundCloud and search now is the time, and yeah. and you'll get what I'm talking about. There's just a million versions, and it won't be under my name; it'll be under someone else's yeah. name. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point, and I've been speaking to my publisher, and I was like, Do you know, what? I'm fed up with this. I'm, I'm just gonna delete it. So when I deleted it, people started losing their shit, and like I've got this in CD and vinyl you'll never stop me from playing it I'm like <laughs> go out and play it do do because you know I, I still get publishing from it Scott Brown's coming round your house and he's talking and now is the time vinyl yeah CD and even last night it off your computer <laughs> even yeah exactly and, and even last night people were like who's going to be the first to play now is the time I, I think I played it like three times different different <laughs> versions I play it all the time I, I've got no issue with it but it was it just got to a point I'm like do you know something enough's enough with this particular track um, so yeah I just it's, it's been a good run you know I had 25 26 years of sales I, yeah and I was just getting really fed up um, some of the remixes were brilliant let's look at the Darn Styles thing or yeah. there was there was other guys cut on a great remix years ago and then there's just been a million stinkers and then it just got to the point where people were banging it up on SoundCloud or YouTube and, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm fed up, I'm fed up, you know, and that was that. Uh, like you say, it's not, a, it's not a hard track to make, like you said, so yeah, if people want to make it, they can make it, but I don't think people should be asking for MIDI for it when, yeah. Like, well, the, do you know, uh, when I signed, that, it wasn't now was the time, it was actually Elysium, but it got released on a a German label and I, I knew that they wanted to do, to do it. We did the license, etc. And then um, I got so many questions asking for samples, asking for the piano, asking for MIDI. And I, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But I didn't realise that the German guys ra- were running a competition um, oh, okay. and the best remixes were yeah. going to get featured on the CD or, or the, the download, whatever. Um, I just randomly started getting loads of questions about Elysium. Can I have the vocals? Can I have this? Can I have that? And I'm like, why am I getting asked this? And then I realised and it was like, uh, it wasn't in the contract. But anyway, it turned out good because we did get some brilliant remixes. Yeah. But it's like, well, guys, be creative, you know. That that's that was, you know, when we started, okay, we were copying other guys and, you know, that was how we were... We were Know, try to get into the scene but then we started getting creative and then we started writing our own stuff and a lot of the stuff I've written people you know people in this, the, the industry have been like how did you do that you know and you know like this is how we do it for instance and it's all time stretched and stuff I remember Gamma asking me he's like how did you do that and I was like it took about a week <laughs> basically stretching 
this is how we do it and it's Fred Dust, Limp Bizkit, that's the original sample and it was like, this is how we do it and it just took forever to get it all in time and stuff. One, one thing I want, like, you're pro prolific, I've been using that word quite a lot, I don't even know if I'm using it right, but yeah, you're like well known for sampling, I mean... Yeah, I would always, I would spend hours, I still do it, spend hours just going through random acapellas of raps and yeah. stuff, just looking for that little thing that I could go, like definition of a bad boy, did, 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 yeah. bad boy, you know, just something that would be a, a hook. You, you fuck, mate, you fucking used uh, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody, what track was it in a... Uh, it's it's surreal, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, oh, it's in my notes I think it might have been pretty sad. No, it's not. No, no, uh, it's a surreal, it was pitched down and um, I tried to make it sound not like Queen, but uh, I remember but, trying to put it in a bonkers and the guys that ran bonkers went mental, they were like, you can't just, uh, you can't just sample, uh, <laughs> you know, and I was like, you fucking can, this whole scene was built on sampling. Yeah, so they never get featured in any bonkers, they never get featured in a lot because of that sample, but it was a very popular track. Prince of Darkness, I'm sure it was. Anyway, if we can check later. He's checking his Snapchat. He's not there. I've got it, honestly, <laughs> I've got it. But uh, yeah, so sorry, sorry about that. Uh, family issues just being. Pissed. Oh, I, I was even joking there, so. Okay. No, 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 no just. Do you know how hard it is to edit a podcast? You have to go back and like go through every little awkward silence. So it's like the good thing about sitting doing this just now is that I talk. It, well, not, not, <laughs> not even that. You're a good podcast guest. You're a talker, but it's like there's no having to marry it up, like getting sitting on FL properly or anything like that. It's just yeah. It's like it's like this is just play it, record, take it out, put a master on it, and we're done. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But do you listen to a lot of podcasts or like I must admit, um before uh before lockdown and everything, I would listen to all sorts. So I'd i just get Spotify on, I'd listen to podcasts, I'd listen to albums, different mixes. And then I kinda got obsessed with the news, which I probably shouldn't have because it was you know, it's just doom and gloom, man. You stick the news on. But, um, actually, there's, there's, what, nev there's never good news, that's the thing. No, there isn't. So what, what I actually tend to do is um, during lockdown when, you know, football was, was behind closed doors and then boxing started and UFC and stuff like that. I'm a big sports fan. And uh, I, I, I end up, I just listen to talk sport constantly. Even if it's tennis or something that I don't, I'm not interested in, I, I, I've become a big fan and I, I listen to that all the time. And... I like the presenters, you know, and, and um, I don't know if you know, you heard Andy Gorham died uh, today. Very sports, sad news. Sports is open. Yeah, Mate, he was. Do I, do I look like I'm built for sports? Yeah. I'm not even built for watching sports. But, but it was, you know, he was a uh, huge. He played for Hibs, he played for Rangers, big goalkeeper, played for Scotland, and um, he, he had a very, very short battle with cancer, and he died today. I just heard that earlier when I was That's driving it. down to Manchester, so. There was a lot of tributes in the radio, um, but yeah, that that's that is what I listened to. Yeah, it's funny because it was a funny. It is a bit like listening to podcasts because I think they do put it on Spotify or something later. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Ed, Ed, Sport have got Spotify. their own. I think they've got their own their own app as well. But um, it was it was quite a funny show and the, the guests, the good presenters, and then it kind of went a bit somber because that news it was like breaking news. 
Andy Gorham died. Wow, killed the vibe. Yeah, but it was uh, it was nice because then it started. A lot of people were just calling him with tributes, and it's like, oh, that's that's really lifting my mood. I was driving down to Manchester, <laughs> feeling sorry for myself. But yeah, it was uh, quite sad actually. Nice, but. Nice what people were saying, we're going to see it in the news, so yeah. yeah, by the time this goes out, I don't know, it's probably... If you know what happened, it'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. But, as we, as we progress, so basically, I, I'm looking at the time now, I've took up so much of your time. I know, because so I'm starving, all, and I need all, to get a bit of sleep. All, all that's next is, I've got a little segment that I cut out and I put on the radio, okay? So if you don't mind, we'll do that quickly, and I've got a little game that I want to play with you, just to see how well you know your own music. Oh, God. So, this segment that I like to use for radio, so if you're listening to radio and if you know me, I probably haven't stopped talking about it, but on the podcast this month is none other than the legend Scott Brown. Mm. So, we're going to do the segment that I usually do called This or That. Now, this is just quick fire. It's a choice or it's just a single answer and just, yeah, you just go with... What you, what you so I don't need to say this or that. I can say bananas or whatever. Oh, no, <laughs> or some relevant. I'd, I'd rather you answer the question instead of going <laughs> bananas. But so the first one we've got is what's out of the two, DJing or producing? Producing. Favorite movie or TV show? Oh wow! Um, up that this is right out there, man. Tenet or Inception? Nice. Um, I like Inception, a dream within a dream within Yeah, Tenet is a bit more complicated, but I must have watched it about 40 times. I, I think I'm getting, yeah, yeah it's, it's a very complicated film, but Christopher Nolan's brilliant, what can I say? What is your preferred doll to work on? Cubase. Cubase, oh. Always, yeah. Any rituals before a DJ set? Uh, going to the toilet <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing is it's stage fright because I don't need the toilet yeah it was like coming to meet you I went to the toilet when I got off the plane and it was like right okay just wondering what I, just, I, I ended up just washing my hands <laughs> for 25 seconds singing happy birthday <laughs> <laughs> if you could collab with any artist from any genre the only thing is it's got to be to make a hardcore track who would it be wow good question um there's a couple of guys, maybe there's uh, Hudson Mohawk, I'd, I'd like to do something with him. Yeah. And we have actually spoke about it before. He likes hardcore as well. Yeah, yeah, that's how we know armor. each other. So, um, yeah, he, he would be he would be one that I would, I would like to, I think it would be quite interesting. Nice. Yeah. Now, this is just personally for me because I'm going to be all you a few later. What's your drink of choice when you're in the club? Um, I generally just say some kind of beer. Um, then, then I know where I'm at because if I start on the spirits and then I start on the shots, and mm. well, if we hit the shots, and that means we get a, a set like the 170. Set, so. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, I'm not going to do the hangover <laughs> that I had. Honestly, I was I was crawled up in a ball for two days, and then I had to fly home, and I, I didn't feel particularly good on the flight either for 24 hours or whatever it was. What's your favourite era of hardcore? What one means the most to you? Wow, great one. Because the thing is, the 90s made me, and the, we had Resurrection and stuff like that. But then there was the Millennium where, where we had Slam and Vinyl and, and or the Bonkers period, and, and that was another period that made me, if you like. So, yeah, one of those. 
take a pick. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't honestly. T- I can't honestly pick one. Yeah. Scotland or England? Who's got a better crowds? Ah, uh, Scotland. Nice. Sorry, England, but you know I play a lot of my gigs in England, but Scotland, I've just got this fire that people. I think it's for you especially though, because you're coming home. Like it's. There's a bit of homecoming as well, but I, I always people always come to Scotland and and they're like that was nuts you know yeah. the Dutch guys had come over the English guys had come up or wherever they're coming from there's something I used to put it down to the fact it was a bit colder up here and people just like I've got stop. to move about more to keep warm <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I don't know are you are you a gamer yes PlayStation or Xbox both both yeah ah, okay. uh, but um, to be honest recently I've been playing the Oculus I've got a Quest 2, I've been playing that more. Play with my mate in Australia quite a lot, so it's uh, it's always late at night, it's his morning. But um, yeah, I've, I've got both. I'm, I've always had both. I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that has every console, so I've got GameCubes and Dreamcasts and oh, stuff, tidy. and I've got all of the gadgets, the guns and stuff that came with it. Still got the boxes. Still got everything. Oh, it's going to be worth a fair bit then. Yeah, well, I'm keeping it though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the best? hardcore producer who's somebody that at the moment you look up to and you think yeah what he's doing is, yeah wow um this this different one but you know um there's a couple of guys but Technicore in Australia is doing some brilliant stuff amazing Practice and Darwin are doing some brilliant stuff yep and uh, actually there's a ton of guys doing great stuff in it and I'm like when I start writing again I, I would like to be as half as good as what they're writing <laughs> but I don't want to write what they're doing because they're so good at it I, I want to do something different and that's kind of where I'm I'm at at life at the moment you know so what this is kind of going away from this sort of because I meant to ask this earlier but what are you looking to do in hardcore when you come back releasing music making music like are you going to be making new music oh well yeah absolutely I mean I've, I've got studio I've still been keeping up to date with my, my plugins and uh, the latest Cubase everything's still you know I've been keeping up to date with the hardware and software I, I bought a brand new Mac just before lockdown so it was like I was just ready to start going and, and then this happened but um, I don't know what I'm going to write the thing, that's the whole thing when you get in the studio and you've got so much power at your hands it's like you either going with a go? hundred ideas or you going with no ideas and come yep. up with nothing No. are you going with no ideas and come up with the, the tune yeah you that's, know? that's what a hundred ideas Elysium was one of those days it, it, the, the riff was done in like 20 minutes the tune probably three or four days but if you it was EV40 I think and it was a B-side because I didn't think I didn't think it was going to be a big tune I thought the A-side was going to be the big tune and I, I'm only a record label boss what would I know <laughs> <laughs> so What's the weirdest thing to happen to you at an event that you've played at or raved at? What's the weirdest thing you've seen? <laughs> Bear in mind this part's going out on radio, so try to keep it a little bit clean. Yeah, okay, so everything I'm thinking is pretty dirty. Uh, I've seen <laughs> quite a few things, but yeah, um, yeah I, have, I have seen couples copulating um, next to the DJ box. Oh, uh, that can be off-putting midway mix, through a mix. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> I ended up, ended up getting thrown out, but yeah, that was um, that was interesting. This was literally ago. his boomstick. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's a hidden talent or interest that we don't know about you? Um, first musical instrument I played was a flute, orchestral flute. Oh. I can't play it anymore, but yeah. I was about to say, we've got to see a little live PA with like... Yeah, would, I, I probably would have been able to play it back then, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's way beyond... Yeah, it took it took years to learn and then forgot it, you know. Okay. And I was never piano trained either, that's another thing, so... A lot of people I know that make music aren't piano trained, though. No, they can just but I've got a good musical ear and I, I, I've, I've got a good ear for music and I can play to the best of my abilities, yeah. so, yeah. And last two now, if there was a movie made about your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Uh, let's go over the 90s and Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Get Ben in. <laughs> I'm sure he could uh, do his... Um, I'm sure he could get my voice. Yeah. Hello there. <laughs> <laughs> and the last one, describe happy hardcore in three words. Okay, first word, cheesy. Um, exhilarating, I don't know. Um, there's two words, have that. <laughs> I think... <laughs> yeah, that was a... That, that, yeah. That, yeah. Mind-blowing. Yeah. <laughs> so... Actually, I'm going to ask some... Uh, Yeah, just record it, yeah, whatever, yeah, fine. So, coming up next is going to be a clip of your set from tonight's gig. What can we expect to hear in the set? What are we want to hear in Aberdeen? Because um, I, I know there's been Gabardine and stuff in the past, but are we want a, 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 a sort of comp compact history of Scott Brown the whole thing per- I mean, personally I love I love the bonkers stuff so I yeah I'd so you're, you're gonna hear you're gonna hear some of that you're gonna hear some remixes of that stuff you're gonna hear some, some no, new no, stuff that you might not have heard no no I want to hear I want to hear something that I've completely forgotten about well I'll find something I, I want I want you to surprise me with like look, look at this oh <laughs> I'll have something with me if I've remembered to pack it because I had to repack before I came up oh, here oh joys that would be fun yeah Right, so last one, and then we've got a little quick game to play. But before we go, Scott, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, pretty easy. If you're if you're on Facebook, just look up DJ Scott Brown. If you're on Twitter, DJ Scott Brown. If you're on Snapchat, DJ Scott Brown. So <laughs> DJ one, Scott Brown. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, or EvilsonRecords.net. You know, and uh, yeah. If you want to find out something, on Instagram, DJ Scott Brown. It's TikTok, DJ Scott Brown, but I'm not on that so much, so... Perfect. Right, Scott, before we get into your... Well, it's not really a guest mix, it's a live set, so this is what you guys all missed tonight. Before we get into this, I want to play a little game with you, so... We'll get a pen and paper, and I want to see how much of your tunes you know out of this little mashup that I've made. Right. Okay? So, we'll go do this just now. So, coming up is a couple of your tracks, well, a good couple of your tracks that I've mashed up together, and I want to see how much of them you can get in the space of 2 minutes and 15 seconds. So, let's go. The best. 
Wow, that was hard. Uh, I can't even write that fast, and, and my handwriting is absolutely shocking. But um, I'm, I'm not, mate. I was impressed. I was like, straight away, you jumped right on it. So, I mean, if you can read my handwriting, I got. Uh, so, <laughs> if I can read this, it's fly with you. I, yeah. got, I put rock my body, but it's um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. check the bass really. How many suckers? Only your love. I got boomstick. This is how we do it. Uh, goodbye, my friend. Ooh, yeah, baby. Now was the time. Elysium, Power of Love, First Parable. Yeah. Um, first Parable. I'm sure the definition of the bad boys in there, but I didn't write it down. Yeah, it's in there. Rock the beat. Scott, definition, hardcore. definition of a bad boy came on and you were looking, because it was just playing the riff in your life. There were so many things. You're I was like, like what? Uh, uh, what? What's, what's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, like, I was. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like he, do, he doesn't know what definition of a bad boy is. <laughs> And I, I didn't write it down, but it's there. Uh, hardcore hustler, make a beat drop, uh, and then I ran out of paper. So I was writing Discovery Channel, but it's like do it, do it like we do. Yeah. Um, you softly, baseline of the century. I wrote here, Johnny. It was probably called Johnny. Johnny. Bringing out to love. Hardcore. Uh, hardcore. You know the score with Mark Smith. There's a few more that I didn't get, but it was like I just can't write that fast. Mate, <laughs> Help. For the amount of music that you've made, I'm really chuffed with what you got out of that. So, in order, there was Fly With You, Back and Forth, Blue Anthem, my personal favourite. Wow. Rock Your Body, uh, Now It's Time, How Many Suckers, Call My Name, Bad Boy, Only Your Love, Count With Me, Life As We Know It, Boomstick, Elysium, This Is How We Do It, Goodbye My Friend, Detonated 2005, Come On, The First Parable, Power of Love, Rock The Beat, Commence, I Became Hardcore, Gang Bang Society, Hardcore Hustler, Bring That Shit Back, Neck Breaker, Make The Beat Drop, Do It Like We Do, God's Child, Do It Like This, Don't Stop, Rock Softly, We're Dropping This, Baseline Century, You're My Angel, Bring Me Round To Love, and Hardcore, You Know The Score. That's not bad, I mean, uh, considering how fast I can write, that was was quite intense. I, I, I thought we might have to go for a couple of plays, but realistically, I did like, I think it was like, what, a three minute track? It's basically a whole track. Yeah, it's really, track. It really so, good, actually. Yeah. So, really yeah. Good. But, right, so, Scott, all I can say is thank you very much. I know how tired you are, and you've been a great sport. Thank you very much for coming. No, up thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This. Brilliant. Let's go get some food. Yeah. And then, yeah. Thank you very yeah, much, mate. Cheeky, thank you. cheeky sleep, and we'll, let's do this. Right. Cheers, man. Thanks, guys.